Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I'm calling. I have a, I have a full-time, five-fold calling on my life. And, and I will tell you this, every five-fold minister ought to be pursuing full-time ministry. Now, that doesn't degrade those that are bivocational. That's not, you know, there are those that are in the workplace. But when you're called to one of these fivefold gifts and you're operating at this capacity as the word outlines, it ought to be a, a, a full-time endeavor. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. And the church, this church did phenomenal with it. Churches ought to be championing their pastors being full-time and paying them an adequate salary so that they can take care of what needs to be done in their own household so that they can also take care of God's house. Amen. And we're not in this cheapskate business of keeping the pastor as, as, as cheap as possible and as broke as possible. Know your place, pastor. Just stay in your lane. No, 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 no. If you want him to operate at the capacity of the fivefold gift as he ought to, we ought to be pursuing. And, 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 and I, I've told pastors that. I said, you're, you're, you're doing both. I did both. I worked at Walgreens, Baytree, and Gorto. You can hit my old stomping grounds in the pharmacy. I give you your pills. Sure did. I worked at banks. My first job was Bubbles Car Wash in St. Augustine, Florida. Bubbles. And I've told people I, I'll do it all over again. If it got to that place, it don't matter to me. I'll do it all over again. But a a full a, a, a minister called to a full-time capacity ought to be pursuing that. Amen. Okay, I'm not going to camp there too long. So they're not decided, they're discovered. You don't just wake up one morning and say, yeah, I think I want to be a pastor. You will fail quickly. Apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, you know, the prophet seems to be the one that, you know, some of these are, um, you know, they call themselves. Gifts ought to be acknowledged by an external source just as much as an, you can be called internally, but you're not assigned internally. There's a difference. Many are called Few are chosen. You can be called internally. I believe I have a call. But now you need to submit yourself to someone. Don't just start making business cards and running off letterhead that says apostle so-and-so. Get up under a ministry, support another man's uh, vision. We, you like that one, huh? Lights are loving that. Amen. That's a little distracting. I mean, I've seen it on the faces. So. Uh, That's technology for you. Okay. Can I go on and y'all pay attention to me? Okay. So it's not decided. You can, re- you can receive an internal call by the Holy Spirit, but now you need to get up under another man. You want to get up under another ministry. You want to get an, up another vision. You want to get up under another and attach yourself and assign yourself and then let the recognition of the assignment by an, by an external source saying, okay, now we recognize. This is the purpose of licensing and ordaining. It's not just, you know, being official and, 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 and you know, saying I'm a licensed. It's an entity of reputation, of reputable, uh, you know, stature that recognizes Mark Brady uh, uh, bears the fruit and uh, has shown uh, the, the, the evidence of a call to ministry in this 
capacity. You know, for Rama specifically, uh, you know, we license um, with with some uh, proof uh, of ministry and doing some things. I mean, there's they're calling people. There's references of people that you've submitted yourself to. Hey. We believe that there's a call here. Do you recognize? But then there's a two-year process before ordination takes place. Why? Because we want to know that there's fruit there. We're not ordaining and then hoping you become a pastor. We're ordaining because we've seen proof of pastoral ministry. Okay. So it's not decided, it's discovered. Number two, gifts must be stewarded. The individual operating in the gift or walking in the gift must steward the gift. A gift does not just automatically grow develop, mature, uh, you know, grow legs and, and, and get moving. Uh, you, the individual has to take that gift, honor that gift within their life, value that gift, and then give themselves to the gift. Uh, an individual that is constantly, ah, you know, I'm called to pastor, but I, don't, don't call me pastor. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really see myself. I, 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 if you want to be a buddy, be a buddy. But there's going to be a time in your life where you don't need a buddy, you don't need a friend, you need a pastor. You need an apostle. Okay? So this isn't, you know, if, if I were to devalue the gift, uh, not give honor to the gift. I remember one time, man, I was uh, working out at a, at a gym in, in St. Augustine. I was in there, it was uh, early morning, I'd work out, shower there, and then get ready for work and go on to work. And um, actually the owner of the gym was a pastor in town and owned this gym on the side. And, um, so I was, I was, you know, in the shower or getting ready or doing something and, and, uh, pastor walks in and another in- individual was like, Hey, aren't you pastor so-and-so from, from, I think I was at your church this past weekend. You, don't you pastor so-and-so? And, and he's like, yeah, but you, you don't have to call me pastor. I, you know, I, I'm just pastor on Sundays. You know, in here, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy like you. Well, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a regular guy. I mean, Pastor Earl told us all the time. He said, you can call me Earl. It doesn't make, make any difference to me, but that's what you're going to get. And pastor is not a title. And pastor, pastor is a gift. Pastor is a gift. So you can call me Mark. It makes no difference to me. You can call me Mark all day long. But if you want to draw on and receive and pull on the gift of pastor, then you're acknowledging Pastor Mark. That's all that is. That's not puffing me up. That's not the going, going to my head. That's not giving me an ego. It's just recognizing there's a call and assignment on your life, and I want that call. I want to pull on the pastor gift in you. I don't just want a buddy. I don't want just another guy. So that's why we, that's why we have these things in place. Amen. Uh, so gifts must be stewarded. And then thirdly, uh, must be stewarded. Thirdly, gifts must manifest fruit, which I just kind of touched on that a little bit. But if you're operating in the gift, there's going to be evidence. If it's difficult, you, difficult for you to fulfill the assignments or for an individual to fulfill the assignments of that call. You know, if you say you're called to the prophetic ministry, but every prophecy you give is... Might be the pathetic ministry, might not be the prophetic ministry. <laughs> Amen. No, there's going to be signs, there's going to be evidence, there's going to be fruit being displayed in your life. In fact, you won't have to go around telling people 
you are such and such, it'll be recognizable. Man, that guy's got an apostolic gift on his life. He's got an apostolic call. He's got a pastoral gift. Amen. Okay. So I just want to give you those three things real quick, and so we're going to jump into this. I'm going to start with the gift of the apostle, the office of the apostle. The apostle is really the most commonly identified and and most mentioned gift in the New Testament. Um, From Matthew 28 on, uh, they, they went from being disciples to being apostles. They went from being followers to leaders. So you start seeing them referred to in the book of Acts after the Holy Spirit came upon upon them, commissioned to these ministries. They start being referred to as apostles. And apostles, uh, and the reason why we see them so often mentioned in the book of Acts and through the the letters uh, in the New Testament is because the church was in infancy stage. The church was in a beginning process, and that's what apostles do. The word apostle literally uh, means this. It means ambassador, delegate, or messenger that is sent. It means ambassador, delegate, and messenger that is sent. So the assignment of the apostle is one that starts things, initiates things, births things, plants things. That's the apostolic gift. And so you see it, again, so often mentioned uh, in Acts and in the New Testament because, again, the church is in a very infancy stage. There's a lot of planting. There's a lot of birthing. There's a lot of growing. There's a lot of developing uh, that's taking place. And so these apostles are ones, um, some of the characteristics that they have are they love to initiate. They're self-starters. They don't need someone to tell them to go do or send them to go do necessarily. They, they know how to, they'll step out all by themselves. Apostles are extremely bold. Uh, uh, apostles work with a high level of energy, a high level of efficiency, a high level of let's get this done. And when you are under an apostle, um, you know, uh, Pastor Earl really is a, a, a pastor that operates with an apostolic, a strong apostolic gifting. And so they, you have to keep up with them. They're very much, let's go, 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 go. A lot of irons in the fire, okay? And so uh, one of their weaknesses is they typically don't have strong administrative skills. The orchestrating, they can plant the thing, they can birth the thing, but, but they, they are not, um, they're really great at delegating. So they're really great at, okay, raise that guy up. Okay, you're going to oversee the children. You're going to do the worship team. You're going to do, and they pull on that. Whereas pastors on the flip side can tend to be a jack of all trades and have a little harder time delegating. Pastors will typically operate with the mindset, if you won't do it, I'll just do it myself. But apostles have a better uh, 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 propensity to raise up leaders and dump things off whether you're ready or not. Whereas pastors really want to make sure we're checking off the boxes. We've had all the meetings. We've had all the orientations. You're trained thoroughly. So you see the differences. Again, these aren't differences that we can pin them against each other and say, well, I'd rather have a pastor than this. And a lot of pastors, senior pastors, a lot of senior pastors operate with an apostolic gifting. Most of the time, 
if you have someone that's just a true pastor, man, if you have someone that's just a true pastor, um, they really a lot of times will be associates on staff with a senior pastor that operates heavily in an apostolic gifting. So they can be a great number two. So really, honestly, all senior pastors, and again, we're not weighing or comparing or saying you got to have this, you got to have that, but typically a senior pastor has to have some level of apostolic gifting and operation. They've got to be a self-starter. They've got to be able to plant and birth new things. They've got to be strong visionaries and strong in vision. Y'all with me? I know the lights are going nuts. If we can just tear them off the wall um, and buy new ones, whatever we need to do. Uh, Anyways, so I'm doing my best, guys, but if y'all can stay locked in with me, we're down to 13 minutes. I got four gifts to go, so (laughs) amen. Okay. Y'all doing good? We're doing good? Okay. All right. We're having a good time. I'm not asking if we're having a good time. I'm telling you, we're having a good time. We're having a real good time. Okay. Uh, and last thing I'll make note on the apostle is uh, they it, they always have a gift to preach or teach. Okay. So they're doing preaching and teaching. An apostle is not someone that just sits in the background and just delegates and assigns things. There is a preaching and teaching uh, capacity as well. They've got to be able to preach the word or teach the word and or or both. Okay. Um, the things that they'll struggle with is counseling, just a true apostle. Um, they, they don't work real well in the one-on-one scenarios and the hand-holding. That's where the pastor element has to come in. And, and this is the thing. If you have a pastor, a senior pastor with a strong apostolic gifting, then he needs to employ the administrative people. He needs to employ the pastors. I asked uh, Pastor Paul Brady this actually uh, at one of our lunches or dinners. Uh, I said, it's obvious you operate with a very high apostolic anointing. And if you run at that clip and try to pastor a church, you're going to run people off and you're going to burn people out. So I said, you know, just tell me, how, how do you navigate that thing? Because, you know, you can come in here and you can blow and, 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 you know, a high urgency, drive, 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 drive. But at some point you need to come down and say, okay, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to take this thing one step at a time. And and the patience, he said, well, I just, I've got a great staff of associates that help him with the marriage counseling because the, you know, apostles, they just, they, they can't deal, especially with hamster wheel stuff. If you stay on that hamster wheel, the apostles like, all right, we've, we've done this too many times. We're done. Where a pastor will be like, hold, hold on, we, we, we got this. Let, let's go through this again. You know, a lot more long-suffering, a lot more patience, okay? And listen, when I was, I'm describing these things, it might just sound like, oh, that's just a personality. That's just, no, 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 it's a gift. They're wired a certain way, yes, but it's the gift Everything that I'm mentioning is not just practical wiring and how I'm mentally wired and and what my natural inclinations are. These are all supernatural abilities. An apostle supernaturally leads with vision. An apostle supernaturally has a driving force. Let's go get this thing. Let's go to the next thing. It's a supernatural capacity. 
okay? Not just natural. We're not just talking about how someone's wired or, you know, where they fall in the Enneagram or, you know, are they a lion or a mongoose or a, what are those character? Lion and, and golden retriever. You know what I'm, okay, you got me. You, that's all I needed to hear. You got me. All right, let's go on to the prophet. Let's go on to the prophet. The prophet, and by the way, the apostle is, is only mentioned in the New Testament. The prophet's mentioned in both the Old and New Testaments. The prophet in the New Testament operates a little differently than the prophet in the, the Old Testament. Uh, but mentioned in, in both. And uh, a prophet, in essence, is, the, is a mouthpiece for God. They, they, re, they receive and deliver what is not taught, what is not learned, what is only revealed. The office of the prophet, uh, when they are operating in the prophetic ministry, they are operating, there has to be a consistent manifestation of one of the three, if not all three, of the revelation gifts of the gifts of the Spirit. Remember when we did the gifts of the Spirit? That was the uh, tongues, interpretation, uh, tongues, tongues and interpretation, and the discerning, uh, or I'm sorry, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of uh, revelation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Word, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. They'll operate in one of three, if not all three of those on a consistent basis, along with prophecy. There are people that have the gift of prophecy, but they do not operate in the prophetic fivefold ministry. A prophetic, a, a prophet in a fivefold capacity is, again, in a full time element. So they typically are going to be a teacher, a preacher, um, a pastor. You can have a, a, a someone operate in that role. <coughs> Many times you'll find an apostolic gift and a prophetic gift paired in the same individual. Those two uh, pair well. Those two work in tandem uh, pretty well uh, and pretty consistently. Uh, This is not just every now and then, um, you know, uh, uh, not just occasional prophetic words, but a consistent capacity to operate in the prophetic and, again, in those gifts of the Spirit. Um, And I think I mentioned uh, they are preachers and teachers of the word as well. So they're not just filling their time giving prophetic words. They are preachers and teachers first with the capacity to uh, a heightened sensitivity to the spirit and to uh, operate in the prophetic ministry. All right. Uh, Number three, again, I'm not going real deep. I'm just giving you just a basic overall so that we can honor these gifts in their strengths and in their weaknesses, in, 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 in the way that they're paired and not create these factions of, I like this, I like that, but valuing all of them together. The evangelist. This gift is the least recognizable in the New Testament. Really, we only have one occurrence of someone, you know, specifically called an evangelist, and that's Philip in Acts chapter 8. But at the end of the day, the operation of the uh, evangelist, the fruit that we typically see is someone that has a high zeal or passion for the lost and the broken and the hurting. 
and they have a, a supernatural way of relating to and communicating with people outside of the faith, outside of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Um, whereas a pastor, again, is going to have more of their focus and emphasis on those within the kingdom, within the church, in maturing them, developing them, raising them up. The evangelist uh, is going to have those things in operation, as well as miracles, signs, and wonders. Brother Hagen called miracles, signs, and wonders the dinner bell for salvation, meaning those are the signs that God demonstrates to show himself God to show himself that he's real, that he wants to move on your life, and that calls you to salvation. Honestly, once we come into the kingdom, we shouldn't really need to be operating in miracles, signs, and wonders. And the example I would give you for that is the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness. They needed water out of a rock. But when they got into the promised land, guess what? They're going to fight battles, and they're going to go work to get things, not work in the sense of, to to prove or to get something done. It's still God doing it. But when you come into the kingdom, now you really become more responsible for standing on a word for healing or standing up for on a word and, and combating that rather than needing this miracle sign or wonder or some evangelist or or something along those lines to show up. Okay? So the gift of the evangelist a lot of times, uh, along with having a propensity, value, and zeal for the lost is operating in miracles, signs, and wonders, healings. Um, Man, when they give uh, altar calls or when they give a call, evangelists have a powerful way of moving people to action. Moving people to action. So when they give that call, man, not just naturally, but supernaturally, hands just go flying. It's just a draw. It's a relating to the heart. They, they, they do this even in one-on-one scenarios. Many of y'all know Pastor Chris uh, operates in the, in the gift and the call of the evangelist, and it's obvious. I mean, it's very evident fruit. He's very charismatic. He's very loud. <laughs> He's very zealous. He's very passionate. He loves meeting people, connecting with people, networking with people. He's never met a stranger. A lot of those are the the, the personality traits, yes, of an evangelist, but those are the things that God uses to employ him in the, and you see him do an altar call in one of his future now events, man. I mean, two, three hundred hands at a a time. Uh, Just have an awesome opportunity uh, to do that. In fact, they ministered a few weeks ago, or I guess, when we were, I think it was the regional retreat, and he sent me a picture of the altar call full, uh, you know, that's that's what happens. Some of y'all were down here that I was like, no, nah, I know that I've given a call and you haven't come down. But that's the, that's the evangelist. I don't get insecure, and I don't go, well, why can't I do that? That's why he's in the church, and that's why we draw on the gift. We need them all. Because he can't teach like I can, and he tells me. Now, you could probably teach this a lot better. I'm like, yes, I can. Just give me your headline, and I'll give you the three-point bullets. I'll shred that up. I'll make six weeks out of one message that you preach. Yeah, I will. Amen. We need all the gifts, don't we? Amen. All right, so that's the, uh, the evangelist. Man, they have a... They have a great propensity toward the ministry of exhortation. 
What that simply means is they're phenomenal encouragers. They are, oh man, they champion you. They believe in you. Uh, they, they, they have a, a supernatural ability to see past failures and flaws and, and, and people's identities. I mean, you know, Pastor Chris has such a phenomenal story, but that's not what allows him to relate. It's his heart. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in on drugs. It doesn't matter if you're strung high while you're talking to him. He's such an encourager, man. Such, I mean, he just, you know, Pastor Chris is amazing. I love him. Love him so much. So thankful for him and Terry. Um, so that's that's how the evangelist uh, works. Um, let's talk about the the teacher real quick. Again, just giving you, man, I'm doing pretty good. Not as behind as I thought I would be. Uh, the role of the teacher, um, it's identified and revealed many times in Scripture, especially in the New Testament. But rarely do you see it literally called a teaching gift. But the teacher has a supernatural ability of breaking down Scripture and revealing Scripture, uh, line upon line, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, you know, typically we think of, you know, preaching as kind of the bold, inspirational messages and teaching as the, the, the breaking down and ministering to the intellectual side. And so, you know, in preaching, you might get a lot of amens, you might get a lot of responses, but you might not take as many notes. But in teaching, you might take a lot of notes, but you might not get as many amens. Yeah, pastor, go for it. But you'll get a lot of, hmm. Because it, it, where preaching will move you to action, teaching will move you to thinking. It'll move you to process. Not that I'm ministering or teaching to your mind. I'm always ministering to your spirit. But teaching has a way of showing you the, the orchestration and the navigation, right? It's not the scripture that we hear. apply it. Scripture must be applied, right? It's not the scripture that we hear that changes our lives. It's the scripture that we apply. And, and teachers have a way of the, the evangelist can move you to action with bold, inspirational preaching, but now we need to get up under a teacher to break down what we're learning so we can better apply it in our lives. Amen. And so uh, that that's uh, really necessary. And again, um, just about all pastors, pastors really have to operate in preaching and teaching. They really need to do both. But most pastors are apt toward one or the other meaning that they have to give a little more intentionality to do one, but one comes more naturally. For me, teaching comes naturally. But um, when, when, you know, the opportunities come and when it's necessary, I mean, preaching will come. Preaching will flow. And Pastor Chris will tell you, man, you were preaching today. That wasn't teaching. That was preaching. That's the Holy Spirit. That doesn't come as natural to me. Um. So I have to, you know, work a little more and be a little more intentional with that. But, but pastors, the demand for pastors has to be a little bit of everything. But teachers, they may not be so inspirational. It may not so much inspire you.
but there will be, uh, you know, uh, my, you might have this idea that preachers are the ones that get you up out of your chair and screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering, and the teachers are just kind of the boring ones you just sit back. And when you have a good teacher, you're on the edge of your seat. You can't write fast enough. You can't, you can't, I mean, it, you're just, man, pull, pull, pull. Give me more, give me more, give me more. And so it's not boring. It's just a different perspective and a different way of providing and bringing the word to someone. Amen. And as a teacher, um, they pair, you know, well, obviously with pastors, they've got to have a capacity to teach. A pastor that's just always preachy, preachy, preachy. Better have someone that can do the teaching because a pastor's got to correct, has got to feed. You got to be able to break down the word to a degree. So a lot of pastors have an ability to teach. Uh, Like I said, prophets um, typically have a teaching gift assigned to them as well. So they're more teachers where apostles can tend to be more preachers. Okay. Um, So that's how we kind of define that. Now let's do the last one, the pastor. The pastor is the most commonly recognized um, and identifiable role of the five gifts, uh, not only in the word of God, but in ministry today. Um, If you had to put a weight, I did not put these in any particular order, and they're not listed in any order. And at the end of the day, just like what we say with the gifts of the spirit, which one is most needed? The one that you need at the time. Which one's the most important? Which one's the most valuable? The one that you need in that moment. There's going to be a time when you need an apostle to drive you on, not a pastor to pat your back, okay? There's going to be times where you're going to need the the ministry of the prophet, not the ministry of the evangelist. And so it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, You know, which, which gift is the most important? The one needed at the time. If I'm believing for healing, then I don't need a word of wisdom or uh, tongue interpretation. I need a working of miracles, um, maybe a word of knowledge that's telling me what to do to receive my healing per se. Uh, But this is, again, we're not picking this apart so we can pick and choose. We can understand the totality and how they all ought to be valued. So the pastor, um, where the other gifts can, can be used more occasionally, the pastor is the one that's used the most consistently. It's the one needed the most for the body of Christ on a consistent basis. We need all these gifts in operation, but the pastor is one because of his role and his connection to the flock. A pastor literally just means shepherd. In fact, kind of interesting, the only time you will find the word pastor in the Bible is when it's listed here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. You won't find the word pastor anywhere else in Scripture. They never called him Pastor Paul, never called him Pastor Apollos. But yet, its roles and functions are mentioned many times. There's three specific words that are used, shepherd, bishop, and overseer. And all three of those words are attributes and characteristics of the pastoral capacity, shepherd, bishop, and overseer. Uh, They must be able to preach and teach the word. So they, they have to have an ability to inspire people to action, but they also have to have the capacity to teach 
the revealed word and will of God uh, in a way that breaks it down line upon line, rightly dividing the word of truth. And by the way, all of them need to have the, all five gifts need to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? And there's not one gift that's given a pass on being able to rightly divide the word of truth, only knowing the word a little bit. No, they all have to be founded and grounded in the word. of. That's how we get off. That's how we end up with prophetic ministries that are not prophetic ministries. That's why we end up with apostle this and apostle that, because they don't stay grounded in the word of God. So although a teacher or a pastor might seem like one that values the word of God to maybe a greater degree, they've all got to have a value and honor the word of God, uh, period. Uh, the pastor's role is to feed, lead, guard, and correct the sheep, the body of Christ. They have to do all of it. They have to feed them the word of God, not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, right? You got to be able to lead them. So there's got to have a, got to have a visionary uh, capacity. You've got to be able to guard and protect against the wolves and against those that would try to come in and divide and uh, you know, I've had many people bring up, if you remember when you did Vision Partnership, we have a, a, a little document called Church Accountability, and it outlines that my wife and I, when you join this church, you're recognizing that we are honoring and stewarding the role of guarding and protecting the flock. That means if someone comes in and uh, comes in with a divisive nature, uh, is not responsive to our teaching and our correction, and as we follow the, the uh, confrontation as outlined in Matthew chapter 18, biblical accountability, if they don't follow that, we'll ask you to leave. And we'll ask you not to return. And we outline that for you because, uh, you know, there's not enough pastors that are doing the guarding and protecting of the flock. And so they let anything come in, divide, separate, cut down, undermine. Okay? And a pastor will guard and protect and recognize you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And yeah, you're not welcome at Anchor Faith Church. We've never had to do that, thankfully, but we will if we need to. And that's not me trying to bear up and trying to get all, bold. I'm, I'm recognizing that you will get compromised by those that try to weasel their way in. And they're wolves in sheep's clothing, meaning that they don't come to you as a wolf and their teeth showing and saying, I'm here to separate the flock. They look like sheep and they act like sheep and they talk like sheep. And they'll hang around other sheep. But then they begin to show their true colors. And they begin to show their true nature. And a true pastor will deal with that. Won't just let that stuff happen. That stuff slide. We give you every opportunity to see, just to succeed just like anybody else. But if you're unresponsive, we'll dismiss you. Amen. Um, okay, so that's the protecting. And then the correcting. Our favorite part. The correction. Why? Because we all need tweaking. We all need adjusting. God has yet to send us a perfect person to Anchor Faith Church. I'm not even perfect. No, we all need little adjustments. We all need tweaks. And the, the better we respond to the correction, the, the greater the advantage and the greater that we can walk in what God has called us to do. And anytime my wife and I uh, or any of our staff has to have that kind of uh, engagement is always to your benefit. It's always because we have your best interests at heart. It's always because we don't want to see you stumble off the side of the cliff. 
That's why Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. Amen? And so when a pastor is functioning in these roles and in these capacities, then you have, when all these gifts, all five of these gifts are operating, then we uh, are able to see the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, a joined body uh, tightly knit together, uh, every joint supplying. We're able to grow up into the unity of the faith and the stature of Jesus Christ. Everything that's mentioned in 12 through 16 comes when we honor these ministry gifts. We're getting ready to uh, embark on our Kingdom Rise conference here pretty soon, and we're going to have these gifts in operation. And I pray that we we don't uh, look at a name uh, and say, well, I really like that ministry gift, so I'm going to make sure I go there. I'm not really drawn to that, so I don't know if I'm going to show up for that one. I hope that we'll value all of them and say, man, I need that gift, and I need that gift, and what that person brings, and how that person does it, and what that person has to say. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.